is Chris, and welcome to Through the Never. Today, we're going to do a bit of a end-of-the-year episode where we can talk about the biggest hits and the, the biggest releases in music of 2019 and explore some of the, the things that, that worked and, and the big tours and the new trends uh, that I noticed and stuff like that. So most uh, – and there's different sources to get some of this information from – the the main one that I was looking at was Billboard, but they they pretty much all gonna have similar info and uh, stats. So um, I trust Billboard to have just just as much accurate information as in any of the others. So we're uh, we're gonna mostly be using information that I got from them. So anyway, let's start off with the top streams. I should come to no surprise to anyone that the biggest stream song of 2019 was Old Town Road, Little Nas X uh, featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. That song was everywhere and still run into it um, even even today. So that came out of nowhere for most people because that was an unknown artist that also caused some controversy because it got in the uh, country music charts where a lot of people felt like it didn't belong. And, you know, controversy uh, is always great PR. So all I did was drive more people to go and check it out and people to show their friends, hey, do you think this is country? And it just, you know, exploded and has been one of the biggest things that's happened uh, in years, really. So it spent 19 weeks at number you know, the top streamed song and... That's even more than uh, Despacito had with 16 weeks. So it did not go away. And everybody did a cover. Everybody tried to... Uh, it, it was... You just couldn't escape it. So like it or hate it, you know it. And you probably know most of the words. That's just how it is. Other top streams um, included songs by Post Malone, Halsey, Travis Scott, Billie Eilish, Ariana Grande... All those uh, names that we just see all the time here lately, they all had top streams. It was a really big year for Billie Eilish in particular, a 17-year-old artist who had her first number one album and her first number one hit, and Billboard ranks her as the top new artist just based on sales and exposure, I guess. I'm personally not a fan, but again, you see her name and her face everywhere these days so um lots and lots of people are uh, are really into it um switching over to top artists of course this is cross genre you know it includes everybody but mostly what you're going to see is stuff from the pop side just because it is the biggest seller so the number one uh top artist according to billboard was post malone he had multiple things going on I believe more than one album, but definitely lots of different singles, lots of collaborations. He has been everywhere and he does a bit of everything. And I wasn't really into it at first, but I've seen some other things he's done on live events on TV where he's done some acoustic stuff and he's done some rock stuff. And he was on like an Elvis tribute thing. And I've just, I've seen him do all kinds of different things. And I really have a lot of respect for him after seeing all the things that uh, he can accomplish musically. 
Um, he's sort of, sort of a strange guy, but he really does have some skill. So I definitely want to mention that. Uh, other top artists included some of the ones we've already mentioned: Ariana, Billie Eilish, Khalid, Drake, Travis Scott, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Little Nas X, Halsey. Um, those are all the, you know, the top artists. The top, well, let me also take a mention um, when it comes to top artists in the country category. Luke Combs uh, was a huge seller this year, um, had a big album come out. I think, uh, I believe it's his second album. The first one sold a little slower, but it really broke him. And so the second one um, came out with a bang. So he is definitely... Um, hot right now and uh i've seen him perform i went to a charity event um here was almost two years ago now where he came out and uh, just did a few songs and included was a cover of chris stapleton's tennessee whiskey and he did a great job with that i didn't know him at the time but walked away from that respecting what he can do vocally so He's not one to uh, sleep on. If you're into country, go check out Luke Combs. The number two on the countryside, and I'm going to include the number two here because they're also the biggest country group or duo, which is Dan and Shay. And they have been, they've been around for a little bit now and have been sort of a slow burn, but they're really good and they do a lot of things right and there's some good songwriting going on there. So that's a, that's another group on the countryside that uh, I have. I've not bought any of their stuff, but I've definitely listened to a bunch of it. And um, I know that me and my wife would go and check out a live show if we had an opportunity because they are really good. Um, going over to the top groups now, this is all genres again. Number one is Jonas Brothers. They had a bit of a, reunion thing and um they had some new music come out and people are eating it up so they are on the the top end of that category number two i believe was bts that's the uh korean pop group it's uh like a, a boy band they probably have like six i think six guys and um i'm really not familiar i've seen pictures i've probably heard clips but to be honest, I don't even think they have English vocals, I, but they are huge um, worldwide. So even uh, even for us in America, they're, they're a big seller. Panic at the Disco, Queen also hits the, the, the uh, top of the groups here. And mainly the renewed interest because of how well the movie did, the Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, sort of biography movie uh, was a big hit and the soundtrack was a big seller so people are getting into um, Queen some some you know a new generation is getting to explore that and that's fantastic that's great uh, Dan and Shay's in this group Imagine Dragons Maroon 5 Rolling Stones Five Seconds of Summer and Metallica all land in the the top of the groups um, for 2019 so something else I want to take a look at just because it's important to me is specifically the top hard rock albums. Um, 
I have a trouble with the way that rock is classified a lot of times. There's uh, a lot of groups that get included in the rock category that kind of irritates me a bit. And I would love to do a whole episode talking about music classification and how that's set up um, and what I hate about it. <laughs> but we'll save that for another time. But anyway, what Billboard lists as the top hard rock albums um, are the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack by, you know, by Queen. There's a lot of, you know, guests and things, I think, on that. Um, number two is Queen's Greatest Hits. Number three is Queen's Greatest Hits. Um, sort of looks like an anthology, one, two, and three. So it's like a platinum version. Um, so the top three are all Queen-related, and um, that's just what a great movie can do for you. So... Number four is Tool Fear Inoculum. Not a big surprise there. Uh, mentioned them in what might have been my first podcast episode, the uh, review on Slipknot. And really, I wasn't a fan of that album, but man, it made a big impact and it was a big seller. So no surprise to see it on this list. Five, ACDC Back in Black. And number six, Metallica, the self-titled Black Album, as we call it. Those two are just ones that linger around and continue to sell. In fact, over Christmas, I was uh, given, um, I was gifted a couple of um, new albums, uh, a vinyl, and one of them was the Black Album, and it had a sticker on it that said, you know, the biggest selling album over 25 years. So it is crazy how that thing still sells. So um, to round out the top 10, we have Five Finger Death Punch, new, their new album, A Decade of Destruction. Um, actually, I, th I think that's the greatest hits, Decade of Destruction. Um, Guns N' Roses' greatest hits, Bon Jovi's greatest hits, and then at number 10 is Linkin Park Hybrid Theory. So uh, that one, I think, uh, since the passing of Ch Chester Bennington, has continued to be a big seller as people... Um, are, are getting back into uh, checking that out. So, and it was a fantastic album. So, anyway, that is a, just a peek at the top hard rock albums, just because that's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, let's take a look at the top tours. The top tours, top forty tours, and I've got that stuff right here. It is. The top, here's a list of the top 40 tours. The biggest grossing tour of the year was Ed Sheeran at 223, it was over $223 million. That is over two and a half million attendees, over 54 shows of that tour. That is incredible. That's awesome. So that makes him the top grossing tour for two years in a row. So that's that's quite an accomplishment. Number two was Pink. Number three was BTS. Four was Elton John. Elton John's doing a, I believe it's, I don't know if it's a retirement tour. I don't think necessarily he's quitting music, but I, I got the impression that maybe this was the last traveling tour that he was going to do. So it's been a big hit. I actually looked at going just um, because I knew it was going to be a special event, but it was very pricey. So I decided not to go. Uh, five is the Rolling Stones. They don't do a lot of shows. In fact, it only shows 16 as the number of shows. But 
they still made over $177 million uh, gross on that tour, and 784,000 people attended. Metallica is at number six. I did go to that tour. They did 46 shows, which is a dramatic reduction. They have been playing less shows the past few years. They've kind of changed their method where they tour for two weeks and then take a break and tour for two weeks and take a break. They, they're never gone from home for longer than two weeks at a time. And for a group at their level, they can, uh, they can make those demands and make that work. So good for them. That's, you know, a way to still, you know, make family priority and, and that sort of thing. Um, also we have Ariana and Paul McCartney, Backstreet Boys, Kiss, all these uh, in the top 10. So lots and lots of big tours happening. So that is in the uh, top 40 tours. And then if we want to look at it by genre, the biggest tour in pop was Ed Sheeran, which we already mentioned. The biggest one in rock is Elton John. Again, that's them classifying Elton John as rock, which I would I would call it pop, but um, he gets a pass because he's awesome. Um, R&B and hip-hop would be Post Malone. Again, it's hard to classify somebody like Post Malone because they do so many different styles. Um, he did 55 shows and almost $76 million grossed. So that's, that's pretty good, too. Um, the country tour, the top tour, was Eric Church. 48 shows. $65 million, 718,000 attendees. And uh, we'll stop We'll stop that list right there. The um, top single live event, well, I won't, won't call it a single event because they did uh, three shows, but the top like live event that happened was a Spice Girls reunion show that was actually three nights at Wembley Stadium in London and it, the tickets were like $124 and they grow they had 200 almost 222,000 attendees so that was 27 and a half million dollars so that was the biggest kind of single event a lot of these events that they listed they're doing uh you know from one to four uh nights like in a row or something as a, as a special event so uh, that was the biggest live event that happened Something else I wanted to kind of mention is there's some new trends that I've noticed. And I think in part it has to do with artists. They're not getting as much money from streaming income as they do actual album sales, even digital sales. And, you know, that's sort of the the change in the con- consumption of music has gone from physical sales to digital sales and now to digital streams and subscriptions. And I was a bit of a holdout on each of those simply because I like having the physical music, uh, the physical copy in my hands. And it feels more like ownership of what I, you know, that purchasing that music. And I liked having the artwork in my hands. And I was hesitant to convert to purchasing digitally but I have done that and you know it it took me a while but 
it's just so much more convenient and it ended up being so much cheaper I was able to buy more and then more recently I've actually made the switch to streaming a lot I still I still purchase but I'm more selective about that and because of streaming I have really been exposed to a lot more so it's definitely benefited me as a consumer but artists you know as a business they just don't make as much money on the stream so a lot of them are you know having to rely on on touring which has always kind of been the case especially on the kind of the rock and metal side especially and you know selling merchandise but they've gotten more and more creative and I want to use Alter Bridge as an example here because I've seen them do some interesting things um and even Mark Tremonti on his on his uh solo project as well what they like to do is when they record an album um, I'm, I'm including Alter Bridge and Tremonti's solo project they they'll get certain guitars like new guitars record the album and then after after the record is done they take those guitars they'll take the drum heads the drum sticks just just different things that were used in the recording of that album and they will put those on on their website and sell those to fans that want special memorabilia it's just kind of a way to have new uh, i mean it's a new income stream for them but it's also a way to to give fans an, a little piece of that history and i think that's that's great i mean you could look at that and say that that looks like a money grab but Really, if people are buying it and they, they want it, then I think it's kind of a, a smart way to, to also give the fans something new that they can do. And they're selling, you know, there's there's been some mixed mixed feelings about like fan experiences. So like you could pay extra for a special platinum ticket or premium um, meet and greet kind of situation where you're paying a little extra for your ticket, but then you get the chance to do the meet and greet. And it used to be that... Uh, you know, backstage passes were a little bit harder to come by, and now it's it's almost like you can't do that. But you can you can purchase special experience, fan experience kind of scenarios where you have a meet and greet, or um, you know you get signed signed photos or whatever. And you know, it it if you compare it to different things in the past, it almost looks like it's um, a, a way to just try to make extra money. Like it almost makes the artist look greedy if you want to look at it that way. But the thing is, if, if you, you can't give everybody that kind of opportunity. So if you want to sell it, um, you can only sell so many. And I don't know how, you know, they arrive at what kind of pricing to put it on, but it's not like an auction where only the the super wealthy would be able to get these things. It's just a limited number. And, you know, uh, fan club and, uh, you know, other ways that you can be connected to the artist will give you those um, opportunities first. You know, a lot of times uh, if you're on the mailing list or you're in fan club, then you get um, access to get these things before the general public. So the more close to the band or more supportive you are, 
in, in those ways, you guys get, you know, priority sometimes. So I, I really think it's a good thing. And I think it's very clever as an artist to get creative and find new ways to connect with fans, give them opportunities to buy or, or share some of your time, as well as trying to you know, support what you're doing by having that extra income stream. So I think that's pretty neat. And Alter Bridge is one of those bands that I've noticed really um, get creative with that sort of thing. And, and another thing that I like is they will have a a party for the album release. It's a it's like a listening party. So what happens is I think the tickets are like two hundred fifty dollars, and you got to go to the Florida where they they're based, and they will put on a private show. For people that, that, you know, there's only like, I don't know, 500 tickets or something that they'll sell. And you have to, you know, travel and, and get there or whatever. But you go in and they have a listening party. You get to hang out with the band a little bit. Um, there's some meet and greet thing there. And you get um, some souvenirs, signed photos and all that. And then they put on a, a, a live show there where they play through the album. And then they play, you know, the new material. Then they play a few of the hits. And um, it's a really special event. I think that is awesome. And if it wasn't so far from me, I would really try to go to one of those. Um, and maybe I will eventually anyway. But I wish more bands did that kind of stuff because I think that's really cool. Another thing that I've noticed seems to be a trend is these reunion and like nostalgia tours. There's uh, a lot of stuff... Uh, a lot of bands that are, you know, have been gone for a while and then they come back. And it seems like you go through different time periods. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, these artists that decide to retire and then they get bored and then they decide to, or, or maybe there's some internal battle that's going on in the band, some, some personal differences or creative differences or whatever and they get pissed at each other and they they take a long break and then they whatever it is they get over it you know um or they just don't find a something else that is fulfilling and they want to get back to it but you i mean jonas brothers we mentioned earlier they you know they kind of did their solo stuff and now um kind of are doing a thing together again and it's been a big hit my chemical romance just um reunited after uh, a long break and did i think they've only done one or maybe two shows um california side and um i think there's some festival appearances and stuff planned for 2020 um raging against the machine out of nowhere announced like five or six dates all west coast side really hoping they you know, make some festival appearances and, and get across the U.S. I would really love to see that reunion tour. I have not seen them, you know, so that's one I'd like to get to. And then, um, really big news, Motley Crue is doing a reunion tour. And what makes that big news is because, you know, years ago when they did their, you know, final tour, they all signed a contract, the cessation of touring or, or something. That's what they called it. And it was a legal contract that none of them could 
perform and Motley Crue would not perform that stuff, that material uh, live anymore. And, you know, then the, the, I think it was a Netflix original, uh, biography movie, the dirt, uh, which was fantastic film. Um, if you're interested and check, check that out. Cause it was cool. You know, that was a big hit and you have a whole nother, whole new generation of people wanting to, uh, check out Molly Crew, And then, uh, all of a sudden they come out with this video online of them blowing up the document. So, uh, it was pretty fun way for them to announce. And so they're doing a reunion tour. It's a huge thing. I believe it's a co-headlining tour with Def Leppard, but also, um, Brett Michaels back with Poison and I believe Joan Jett. I think that was the the full lineup. So huge stadium tour and they got a couple dozen dates, I believe. They're they're getting all over the US, so that'll be a big thing. Um looking ahead into twenty twenty, you got that tour. You've got uh Alanis Morissette's twenty fifth anniversary of Jagged Little Pill tour. Um that's coming through my town, so me and my wife are planning on going to check that out. That's uh hits us right in the nostalgia pocket too, because it was right, you know, in that time of, of, I don't know, I guess that came out, I was probably into middle school, beginning of high school, I don't know, but, but music was a focus for me, I was playing rock, um, playing guitar, but that music was uh, big at the time, and uh, was that was a great album, and uh, so that's something I'm looking forward to going to check out. Um, Metallica is doing a special engagement with Danny Wimmer Presents. So they're playing, you know, two nights, two different sets at all five of their rock events, all, rock festivals. I'm sorry. I will be attending Louder Than Life. So I'll get to uh, check on that. And I'm sure I will, uh, I'll come back on an episode and talk about that after. Planning to go to Hometown Rising again with my wife. Um, that's the country festival, uh, Danny Wimmer Presents event. And, um, there's no, there's a date, but there's no lineup. Same as Louder Than Life. There's no lineup. You just know Metallica is going to be there. Sadly, Exit 111 has decided not to return. So there won't be that again this year. And that really bums me out because that was my favorite festival experience ever. Um, I'm really hoping that, um, somebody else takes a chance on, uh, trying to do another rock festival at that location because it was great and i think that that covers all the all the big things i want to talk about as far as 2019 2019 let me say has been an exciting new adventure for me getting into podcasting and i want to thank all of you listening for the support and for spending your time with me if you don't mind if you got a second please hit me with a solid review and five stars that means so much to me as a new podcast i'm trying to uh, enhance the visibility and, and reach some new listeners. So I really would appreciate any of that. I'm looking forward to a full year of Through the Never episodes in 2020. I've got some great content planned and I've got more guests that I want to feature. Again, thank you so much and have a great New Year's.